We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. kind of mythical powers does a sun devil have? we got to consider that. It's embarrassing, but we are who we are. We're not a very good team, but we're 3-1 and one somehow. And we got all the voters fooled, thinking we're pretty good. Jaworski Lane at 275 pounds showed a heck of a lot of athletic ability. Welcome to a special edition of the Rotowire College Football Podcast. We are coming to you live Friday, January 7th, right around noon Central Time. Uh, Nick Whalen joined, as always, by Rotowire College Football lead guru, John McKechnie. Uh, Jonathan, huge weekend coming up for you, uh, and a huge Monday as well. I mean, the, the game that we are, of course, all looking forward to, Georgia-Alabama from, in, from Indianapolis on Monday night. You will be in attendance. There is no question that John McKechnie would have to be in attendance at this game at Lucas Oil uh, before we get into the game, we're, we're going to talk all the betting angles. Georgia right now, a two and a half point favorite. The total sits at 52 points. Uh, we'll break that down. We'll break down a bunch of props. But first of all, what is your travel plan? You know, when are you arriving? What's what's the game plan? How are you going to get mentally ready for this game on Monday night? Yeah, this this is so much to process. Uh, you know, we were uh, all together on, on New Year's Eve watching the game at, at a friend's place. And, you know, once it became pretty clear that, that Georgia was going to win that one, get on StubHub and, and um, yeah, just to, just kind of dove in with both feet. And I know that, like, the market kind of dropped out and, like, it, apparently, you know, the, the tickets, I could have gotten them for a lot cheaper. But, like, at, at this point, the money spent, I don't care. I'm going. That, that's all I, that I'm really concerned about. So the, the plan is Sunday. We're, we're piling into the car. I have a, a buddy from around here in Atlanta that just moved to Dallas. Um, and, you know, theoretically, you, you would think that he's just going to get from Texas to Indianapolis. But no, he is literally flying to Atlanta to drive up with us. Like he did not want to miss the road trip element oh, yeah. of, of this particular trip. And, and he's the one who actually he booked this Airbnb that we're staying at back in July or August. So he he's had his faith in the dogs. Uh, for a long time now and, and uh, you know, in, in anticipation of this, we got other friends coming in from all different parts of the country. North Carolina got a friend stationed in uh, Omaha, Nebraska is going to be there. So it's going to be a, 
you know, just a really good time with, with everybody. And, and we'll get there. We'll, we'll hit the road again Sunday morning, get up to Indy, you know, Sunday late afternoon. I have a friend that I tweeted out the, the picture of the group text. Um, he's already mapped out wh- uh, where all the Long John Silvers are in relation to uh, Lucas Oil Stadium. So if we need any uh, fast food, seafood, uh, we have that covered as well. That's huge. That's huge. I love Long John Silvers. There's there's a great one on Oneida uh, in Green Bay, Wisconsin that I, that I frequented uh, a number of times over the years. I hope you have a better experience in Indy than I did when I, I made a similar road trip down to the NCAA tournament national title game when Wisconsin played Duke. Uh, and like you said, like almost the best part is the ride down, like the anticipation. I guess for you, it'll be the ride up. But, you know, you got got six guys piled in a car that really should only seat five. Mm-hmm. Everybody's uncomfortable. It's hot. You know, a couple of guys are trying to drink beers in the back seat. You don't feel great about that. You have to stop to pee a bunch. But those are always super, super fun times. I mean, you don't you have very few opportunities, especially as you get older, to to make a trip like that. So completely agree that that is that's un- unmissable. You know, if you're that guy, so a lot of credit to him uh, for flying and and making the drive instead of just going direct. But man, I tell you what, when when Wisconsin lost and we had to make that drive home, it was the most sullen six hours of my life. You know, it was just, it would be silent for like a full hour. And then somebody in the back would just sigh. And and yep. all of a sudden all the discourse would start again. It would be, I, I it, Grayson Allen touched that ball, you know, and like we just start rehashing over and over and over. And, you know, nobody wanted to believe that that Wisconsin had, had actually lost. So for your sake, I mean, I, one, I hope we actually went home the night of the game. We made a deal that if Wisconsin won, we would find a way to stay and party. You know, we did not book a hotel. Everything was booked up. But we were we were content to just like stay out all night, basically, if they won. But if they lost, we said, all right, we'll drive home because one of our buddies like really had to work the next day. Uh, so they lost. We had to drive back. I assume you'll at least be staying the night regardless of the result. Uh, that is correct. Um, yeah, we ha- we have the, the place until uh, Tuesday morning. So, yeah, win or okay. lose, we'll, we'll be there. Um, so, yeah, d- don't have to worry too much about uh, driving out. But uh, the, the, the wheel man, I'm sure, is going to be. Uh, especially if uh, the the unspeakable happens, then I, I'm sure that he'll just be like, "Get me out of here!" So like, we'll probably have to leave like very early Tuesday morning. I would imagine if, if things go sideways. Well, I you know for your sake, I, I hope they don't again. And you know, how surprised are you that this number? I believe it opened up at Georgia minus three. It's now at Georgia minus two and a half. We're looking at the DK sportsbook. Um, you know, obviously everybody knows Alabama handled Georgia pretty easily not that long ago. Uh, but no John Mechie for Alabama. And obviously Georgia made a major statement with the way that they beat down a very good Michigan team last weekend. Uh, what did you make of Georgia opening up as the favorite in this game? Uh, I, I was surprised. Um, I, I really was. Um, you know, I, I think that the way that, that Alabama just kind of exposed, for, for lack of a better word, Georgia um, in Atlanta, I would have figured that plus, you know, Alabama's just kind of general – Cachet. I mean, they, they've been in this spot so many times. This is only the second time that, that Georgia's been here in, in quite some time. And, you know, obviously the second time since uh, 2017. But Bama's here. You almost expect them to be here. So, like, the, this stage isn't too bright for them, not too big for them. Still a really good Alabama team that, that again, just kind of dismantled Georgia uh, just a month ago. So I'm surprised to, to see um, the line unfold the way that it, that it has. And, um I do have some some info from uh, a buddy of mine over at WinBet. Uh, I asked him what the splits were looking at as of Thursday, and it's pretty lopsided actually. So um, 
I think a lot of people have that same general reaction where it's like, why is Georgia favored? Because uh, as far as the money line goes, Alabama drawing 77, almost 78% of, of the bets, 90% of the money line bets are on Alabama. As far as the spread goes, uh, two thirds of the, the bets are on Alabama to cover the spread and 70% of the money is also on Bama covering, you know, what, what was posted at, at three points um, at, at that specific time. So uh, the public is, is heavily on Alabama in this one. And, and it is surprising that the line hasn't moved uh all too much to reflect that. Yeah, I, I feel like this could have been Alabama minus three or Alabama minus two and a half. And I think we would see the same splits, right? You know, I, I don't, all these people betting on Alabama, are, I don't think it's like, oh, well, you know, they're underdogs and so now I'm going to bet on them. I, I think a lot of people would bet on Alabama to cover three um, if they were favored mm-hmm. in that situation. So yeah, I was, I was surprised. I mean, I, I think a lot of it is, you know, again, John, I mean, John Mechie went out in that game against Georgia, but still played really well and was really impactful. Uh, before going out with that injury but to me more than anything you know Alabama has so many guys that that's not that much of a concern um, and I, I wouldn't say Alabama really struggled with Cincinnati but you know it felt like a like a B B plus game for Alabama where it felt whereas it felt like an A A plus game for against uh, Michigan for Georgia so that yes. that to me is what really I think influenced the spread more than anything is Georgia really making that statement against Michigan because I mean, I know they were about a touchdown favorite when that one closed, but to a lot of people, that was essentially a 50-50 game. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, as far you know, from the from that same sports book, fifty-two uh, percent of the money at right around kickoff was on Michigan money line. I mean, so that that right. goes to show you know, I think, and and rightfully so, at least at the time public opinion had soured on Georgia. I mean, they, they had gotten so beaten down and, and uh, you know, on the other side of that Michigan, you know, it's like, Oh, do they, not only do they have like the number one pick possibly on one side of the edge, but then they have this other guy that's going to be in the first round on the other, um, you know, they, they've been scoring points at will. They've been running the ball extremely well all season long. They just beat, they slayed their dragon. They beat Ohio state. And then they just trounced Iowa very good chance that Michigan win, wins that game, especially, you know, if you take like the recency bias and compare it to, you know, how Georgia looked last time out and would they be able to get, to get off the mat. Um, so, yeah, the, you, you juxtapose that where Georgia really did have an impressive game against a, a better team, I, I would say, that than Cincinnati. I think Michigan would beat Cincinnati probably seven, eight times out of ten. And, and yeah, Bama didn't – they never really like hit their stride necessarily. I'm not sure that – not to say that they didn't want to, but they it almost felt like they didn't force it necessarily. Like they, they were content to just go to what was working pretty well, which was the, the run game, which I guess was working extremely well. And they were able to just kind of ride that um, all the way to the end. And they knew that Cincinnati just simply didn't have any answers on offense. Like, they, you know, their two best drives were coming out on scripts. Uh, coming out of the first uh, the first drive of the game, and then coming out of halftime as well, and it resulted in all of six points. And then the rest of it was just really just kind of um, Desmond Ritter getting thrown to the wolves in in a lot of ways. So um, there, I don't think that there's too much that you can take from that Alabama Cincinnati game and, and apply it this week. Whereas I think there is maybe a little bit of something to to the way that Georgia beat uh, Michigan. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. I mean, do do you think? Is it fair to say Alabama, you know, was you know, you always hear the trope of like, well, they were they were saving, you know, their their good plays basically. You know, they they didn't want to show too much. They felt that they could win this game just kind of playing basic smash mouth football. 
and that's what we saw for for most of the game. I mean, Alabama has had trouble for the most part this season playing that type of game. You know, you're not necessarily used to seeing Brian Robinson picking up like eight yards every single time he runs up the middle. I mean, against SEC defenses, you know, at least 75% of the time this year, that that hasn't really flown. Um, I mean, do, do you think there's any any truth to that belief? Or do you think that's just the game plan that Alabama had going in? And, you know, that's that's how they felt like they could beat Cincinnati. Yeah, I think that they, they just, they knew that they had a decided advantage in the trenches that really they haven't had all season long. That that goes to your point about Robinson, maybe not having the most explosive Alabama running back season for most of the year. But obviously when your offensive line is going up against a, a good, but, but in, in all reality, an undersized uh, defensive front front seven that, that Cincinnati was bringing mm-hmm. out there, Alabama just, all of a sudden they had that option to go back to playing bully ball and they, and they took that option and they, and they obviously ran with it. And uh, you know, you also look at the fact that Cincinnati is really, really good against the pass. So it's like if Cincinnati is going to do everything it can to, to mitigate Bryce Young's impact, just go ahead and go, go to the ground. And, and, you know, once they started finding success through that Avenue, which they they did almost immediately, it just made all the sense in the world to, to just kind of keep mining that vein really. So, um, it didn't surprise me that, that Alabama came out and, and did what they did in that particular fashion. But I think it's also fair to say that they want it, whether or not that they were, you know, quote unquote, saving the, those plays um, for, for the national championship game. They simply won't be able to play on Monday the way that they did against Cincinnati. It's, it's going to be different. I think it will look a lot more similar to, to what we saw first time out where Bryce Young, you know, dropped back uh, upwards of 40 times in that in that SEC championship game. So as we're chatting here, the line uh, just moved in favor of Georgia. It's now Georgia minus three. Uh, so we maybe have to update those splits. But uh, I mean, we've kind of talked about how these teams both got to this game, you know, what it looked like last weekend. Uh, unfortunately, you know, both of those games, as has been the case for what it feels like the majority of these semifinal games over the years, you know, were, were pretty one-sided. But I, I think everyone's in agreement that we're going to get a, a really good game. It's hard to imagine, I think, Georgia, you know, coming up short in the same ways that they did when these teams matched up uh, a few weeks ago during the regular season. But how do you see this playing out? What's your level of confidence in Georgia? How much did that, that first matchup, you know, kind of change what you expected uh, to see from Stetson Bennett, this offense? Yes. So, so I guess I will start with, with Stetson Bennett in in the offense. I think everyone wants, wants to know the big question as to whether uh, Georgia's pass defense, will it be able to hold up against Alabama this time after getting, you know, pretty, uh, pretty much shredded uh, the, the first time out. But I'll start with, with Georgia's offense. They moved the ball pretty well on, on Alabama, I thought, that the first time around. Um, they, they played their A game, I thought, uh, a week ago against Michigan, you know, uh, pulling out that halfback pass from Kenny McIntosh. Uh, that was great. Going heavily at Brock Bowers. Brock Bowers really just kind of an unstoppable force there. Um, and I think Alabama knows that. And I think what makes that all interesting uh, as far as how Georgia – is able to kind of adjust on the fly. You know, Bowers had a ton of success in the SEC championship game against Bama as well. I think that he's going to be kind of priority number one for that Bama defense. I think he's still going to get a lot of targets, but they're going to be really contested. They're going to be probably bracketing coverage to him. So it comes down to who on Georgia's, you know, the rest of the skill guys can really step up. We've saw James Cook get used out of the slot and, and used on wheel routes. 
and he's a really dynamic pass catcher. And he's, I mean, he's a lot like his brother. Like it's not lazy to say that because it's true. I mean, the guy is just uh, kind of a freak show out there. He's, he's really, really fast, really athletic, really smooth. So I expect to see him get involved in the passing game a decent bit. And then, you know, Jermaine Burton didn't really deliver on the promise that, that he showed as a true freshman last year. Uh, but he was hurt for a lot of the season. He, he had a big play against Michigan. I think he's fully healthy now. And I think he's a huge X factor. And even uh, 80% George Pickens, if he's able to, to, you know, kind of put it together for, for a couple of drives and, and look like himself, then, then Georgia suddenly has a, a much deeper and more varied passing attack for Stetson Bennett to work with. And, and uh, Georgia's offensive line will need to do similarly as it did against Michigan, where they were able to, to neutralize both Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo. I don't think I heard Ojabo's name even once during that broadcast, really. Um, so if they're able to do that, um, Will Anderson, different type of player coming from a different type of spot that, than those two guys. But if they can keep Will Anderson for, from wrecking the game, which they had pretty good success doing uh, the first time around, get Stetson Bennett some time to throw um, and use use the weapons beyond Brock Bowers and it sets up pretty well for the Georgia offense. I think so too. I mean, I think you, obviously that first game went sideways for them after that great start. Um, you know, they, they kind of let things slip and were never able to fully recover and, and stop the bleeding. I thought defensively more than anything, some of the big plays uh, that the Georgia defense had basically been able to, to avoid or prevent this entire season. Like all that came crashing down uh, with, with Bryce Young and, and Jamison Williams, but I mean, not having to worry about Mechie at all this game, I think is big. Like it's still Alabama. You know, you'd still take this receiving core over like, you know, 95% of, of the receiving cores in the country, but you know, it's also not nearly as talent heavy or you know experience heavy as these last few years outside of Jamison Williams. So I, I think if you're Georgia, you feel pretty good about that matchup. Um, let's start looking at, at some of the player props in this game. Uh, and we'll start, I think with the quarterbacks, Bryce Young, 314 and a half. Is his passing yardage total Stetson Bennett down at 249 and a half. Do you like the over or the under on either of those? Does one to jump out over the other? So obviously Bryce Young's is is really high. You know, you're that's a, that's just a big number. But at the same time, I think that you look back to how things unfolded the first time around. I think this is going to be a close game, and I also think that that uh, the run game isn't going to be as effective for Alabama as it was against Cincinnati. I think it's going to be more put in Bryce Young's hands here. And I think that just the she on sheer volume of attempts, like I, I think they're pretty much going to throw it until Georgia proves that, that, that that's no longer a viable strategy, uh, which might not even happen. It, it might, might be a night where Bryce Young is just on fire and he, he's not getting sacked and he's just throwing it all over the place. So even sans John Mechie, um, I think that Bryce Young probably goes over in this one. And I think Stetson Bennett for, for his part, I don't know how well Georgia's going to run the ball necessarily. I think it is, it, and it, it makes me a little bit queasy to say this, but it is a little bit on Stetson Bennett's shoulders um, on Monday. And I, I think that if you if you do believe that this is a close game or you do believe that, that Georgia's going to win, then I think you have to expect Stetson Bennett to be playing well in that matchup. So there's a little bit more juice on the over. And I, I think that, you know, that, that seems to imply that, um, that that is a better shot of hitting. I would take the the over 249 and a half for for both of these quarterbacks. I think we're going to see a lot of um, a lot of the offensive fireworks coming through the air. I mean, it's super cliche to say, but you know, I, I think whichever team's quarterback plays better is going to win this game. And they're they're kind of judged on different scales because you expect a little bit 
more out of Bryce Young than I think you do Stetson Bennett, who fair or not is is labeled as a game manager. And I, I think for the most part, that's probably fair. You know, you mentioned like maybe Bryce Young goes crazy again. I mean, he went for what, 421 yards, three touchdowns, some long completions in the SEC title game. Does that have to happen for Alabama to win? Like can, can Bryce Young throw for 250 yards and two touchdowns and have an okay game uh, and can Alabama still win? Like what, what is the path to, to that happening? Like, cause I, I agree with you. I don't, I don't think Brian Robinson's going to go crazy against this Georgia defense, but he also didn't have to, you know, in the SEC title game, 16 carries 55 yards. He was, he was okay, but they were able to, to hit those chunk plays through the air. And it never really felt like, you know, they had to establish the run. You know, a lot of those yards came later in the game when they're running out the clock. Um, so we, we, we never, we didn't really see Alabama in a situation where, you know, they, they had to put the ball on the ground and, and pick up difficult first downs. Right. And I think, it, you know, a lot has been made of, of Brian Robinson because of how well he ran it against Cincinnati. And, you know, he was, he was just, like you said, like a, it was a pretty pedestrian day from him, but they didn't really need it uh, when they played Georgia the first time around. I think that this, the big factor is that Robinson's healthy now. Um, he was not uh, healthy for that for that Georgia game. I didn't think. You know, you, you watch the Iron Bowl uh, pulls up lame a, a couple different times during that game, and you just feel felt like he was not at 100. percent Like he was pretty much just playing on, on grit um, in Atlanta. He looked fully healthy last week, so maybe he does become a little bit more of a factor this time around. But I, I still think that Georgia's defense is is going to be pretty keyed in on making sure that, 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 you know, he's not picking up the the first downs and allowing Alabama to have the, these big, long drives, like the eight-minute type of drives that, that they did against Cincinnati that he was he was so crucial in. So uh, to answer your overall question there, I think, Bryce, for Alabama to win on Monday, I think it absolutely has to be Bryce Young have, having a great yeah. game because I, I just don't really view this – Alabama team as great outside of Bryce Young. I, I mean, there, there are some great individual players, of course, Jameson Williams and uh, the, the left tackle is that Evan Neal, I think, um, and Will yep. Anderson. I mean, they, they have studs, of course, like that. No one's saying that, but this, this team isn't as good as it was a year ago. It, it's a very, very good team. And it, it will, uh, Georgia will need to play one of its best games, if not its total best game in order to get, to get the win on Monday. But um, I, I think, a, a subpar performance from Bryce Young could result in, in you know, the tide uh, maybe falling behind a little bit or, or, you know, looking mortal like they did against Arkansas, like they did against LSU, like they did against Auburn, that that type of thing where they, they just something seems off. And it, it starts with Young if, if he is struggling or getting pressured. I think you're totally right that this <laughs> this might be Alabama's like worst or second worst team of the last 10 years. And they're still playing in the national championship and have probably at worst a coin flip chance to win. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. Most teams, you know, you have a down year and you're talking like even, even the other great teams around the country. I mean, like Clemson's down year is you're unranked three weeks into the year and it's basically a lost season. Um, you know, most other teams down years are three, four losses for Alabama. A down year is one fluky loss to Texas A&M and you're not favored by that much in the national title game. <laughs> yeah. yeah it, it certainly does not end for them with, with, um, yeah. Nick Saban getting getting fed uh, cheese its by um, uh, Prince Chedward like Dabo yeah. Sweeney was after the cheese it ball. Great image, great picture that was. Let's look at the rushing yards. I think this is a little tougher. Um, yeah, Alabama kind of runs not quite a one back system. I mean, you do still have Trey Sanders um, and Bryce Young can run it a little bit as well, but he doesn't even have a rushing prop up on DK. Although ironically, Stetson Bennett does thirteen and a half yards. 
Uh, so if you have a strong take on that one, let me know. But, you yes. know, with Georgia, <clears throat> it's James Cook. It's Amir White. It's um, obviously Bennett, who apparently is going to be Cam Newton in this game. Um, but it's it's split fairly evenly between those two. So, you know, it's a little easier, I think, to give a take on, on Brian Robinson, whose number is 64 and a half. But we don't always know what the breakdown is going to be between Cook and White. Cook's number is 42 and a half. Zamir White's 46 and a half. So, you know, slight favor towards Zamir. But do, do you have any any strong takes on any of these numbers? Yeah, so the, this is an, an interesting board for, for sure. And, and uh, you know, I, I noticed from yesterday that Trey Sanders' number, ha- I think, is, has come down even further. Not that it's much right now. It's 19 and a half. It was like maybe 23 yesterday when I was, when I was taking a glimpse. Um, but like you said, Brian Robinson is the only one with like a truly like bankable starters type of workload because of the way that, that Georgia rotates its backs between Zamir White and James Cook. And it's not just those two guys. You, you saw Kendall Milton get in the mix last week. You saw Kenny McIntosh. So mm-hmm. I don't really like betting the, these Georgia running back rushing props. I do like James Cook's receiving prop. Uh, let me see if I can grab that real quick. That's um, at 20 and a half. I do like the over on that one, but um I think the only Georgia rushing prop that I that I would take is the over on Stetson Bennett because you watch him play and he's good at hitting the eject button. Like if he doesn't like what he sees, he will scramble and pick up six, seven yards and 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 pick up a first down. Like he's he is very adept at that. I know it looks goofy. I know he's the mailman. I know none of this makes sense and it hasn't made sense all year. But dude's kind of athletic. Like it, it he just kind of gets it done. Thirteen and a half is a low number. I think that. Bama can flush him out of the pocket enough times to where Bennett is uh, kind of forced to, to take off. And yeah. I think that 13 and a half number um, that, that should hold that. I, I do like uh, Bennett to hit the over there. And, and for Robinson, that's to say less is to, is to kind of be like, Oh, he's going to have a bad game. I think Robinson can have a totally fine game, but 64 and a half, if George is up, then maybe he doesn't get fed as much as, as uh, you right. would hope or or would need uh, for him to hit that number. So I would go le- uh, under for Robinson um, and over for, for Stetson Bennett. And those are those are the two rushing props that, that I'd be interested in. So Bennett's gone over that number most of the time pretty comfortably in eight of 13 games this year. So, I, I, you know, I, I don't think you're crazy at all uh, to, to pick that one uh, as a winner. I mean, he had 11 yards rushing against Alabama. Uh, in the, the first game, but you know, I, obviously this is somewhat of a fluky one, but I, th- I think 13 and a half is a pretty friendly number there. You know, with Robinson, it's, it's so tough because like you said, if you go under this number, you're implying that you know, he's going to have a bad game or Alabama's going to struggle. But I mean, he also had 55 yards and they blew out Georgia in the sec title game. So, you know, it could, it could follow that same script again. Like it wouldn't be shocking if, you know, uh, you know, we, we see Bryce young locked in from the start and the Alabama passing game is humming and they just don't even want to mess around with trying to run on this Georgia defense. Like that doesn't mean that it's a bad game for Robinson, or it doesn't mean that Alabama is going to struggle offensively. I mean, they've, they've had plenty of games where the offenses look just fine and, and it hasn't been Robinson, you know, going for almost 200 yards like he did against Cincinnati. Like I, I don't think Alabama there, there's not a world to me where Brian Robinson is like carrying Alabama to a victory. I, I think it's almost better if, if, if Brian Robinson doesn't have a big day, because I think that means that the passing game, you know, they're, they're hitting these big ones. That is ultimately, I think, the path to, to Alabama winning this game. Yeah, I, I think you have that that summed up pre- pretty nicely as far as like what what an ideal game plan and, yeah. and you know, put, uh, you know, split run pass split would, would end up looking like for, for them. And Robinson is, is an effective pass catcher um, as well when, when, you know, other options aren't available. So looking at 
receiving props. There are a ton, uh, including Lad McConkey, uh, an all-time name, uh, somebody <laughs> that we really we haven't given enough shine to. I know we talked about him uh, early on when we highlighted some names, but we have not had enough McConkey talk on this podcast. I mean, Jamison Williams is, is the one that jumps out. I mean, his prop is significantly higher than any other players. You have Brock Bowers at 66 and a half yards. You got Ja'Cory Brooks at 45 and a half. And then there's a huge gap up to Jamison Williams at 112 and a half. And to me, it felt like Jamison Williams was like almost invisible by his standards against Cincinnati. Still had seven catches for 62 yards in that game, but didn't have those like monster game-breaking plays that we've seen over and over from him throughout the season. So I, I thought Cincinnati actually did about as good of a job as they could on Jamison Williams. But obviously, you know, a few weeks ago, he burns Georgia, seven catches, 184 yards, two touchdowns, a couple long ones uh, that, that accounted for a big chunk of that yardage. You know, you mentioned at the top, you know, that Georgia obviously knows that Jamison Williams is the number one guy by far in this passing offense. How confident are you that they can bracket him and they can prevent another big game? You know, it, it's, it's going to be very tough. I mean, I, he clearly is going to be that focal point because his touchdown to kind of get things going for Alabama, that changed everything in, in that game. Um, I think we you look at last week and how it wasn't on paper all that productive of a day, at least by, by Williams' standards. He didn't have the, like the big back-breaking type of plays that we're used to seeing from him. But I think what's important to note is that Alabama only threw the ball like 28 times in that game because, again, they, they just – they were able to run the ball with impunity. It just didn't matter. They were going to pick up yardage that way. So why not mm-hmm. just keep going to that? But I think what's important to note when you look at the fact that this was their first game, full game, without John Mechie, Jameson Williams still had a 32% target share. So that was one of his highest figures of the entire season. And I, I think that we're you can expect, A, a higher passer, passing volume from Alabama, but I think you can also – expect Williams's target share to remain constant. So I, I think that I'm a little bit less inclined to go with the yardage prop when it, when it comes to, to Williams. Uh, 112 and a half is a colossal number. I'm not doubting that, that he can get there, but I feel a little bit safer with just uh, going with his receptions prop. I believe it's six and a half. I think that's the smarter way to, to get some action on Williams because mm-hmm. I do believe that, that just in general – um, he's going to push for nine, 10, maybe even t- upwards of 12 targets Monday, just because, you know, things are going to be tightened up as far as that receiver rotation is concerned. And I think that Williams um, is just going to see enough targets to where that, that, that prop um, hits comfortably. And what I am also interested in, a lot of people were wondering who steps up in, in Mechie's absence, right? And last week, mm-hmm. Ja'Cory Brooks what, was that guy. You know, he had 25% target share. Uh, looked pretty promising, um, of course. But I'm kind of willing to fade it because I, I think that everyone's on it. I, I think that everyone is just they, – they saw what they saw a week ago. They know that John Mechie is still going to be out. Um, they're just kind of discounting the rest of the uh, depth options as far as Bama's pass catchers go. And they think that uh, Brooks is going to be like this lock. Um, so 45 and a half, I'm, I'm either not playing it or I'm fading it. Um, I, I think that, that that's my approach. I, he obviously is talented enough to make that look silly. But I, I, I do believe that, um, that there's going to be too much action on, on Brooks's over. How do you feel about the Georgia side of these receiving props? <sighs> I think that the ones that, that I particularly like are – um, you know, Bowers, that's a big number, 66 and a half. I do believe that Alabama is go- going to do everything it can to at least limit him. 
how much can you really limit Brock Bowers though? But um, as far as, you know, it's a, it's a minus 115 bet on either side. I'm just going to leave that one be, I think. I'd be more inclined to maybe do an anytime touchdown for Bowers. Um, sure. The way that I would do it is James Cook over the 20 and a half. Uh, I really love that. He can he can get all that yardage on one target. Uh, we've seen him do it time and time again. The other guy is really my, my X factor for the Georgia passing game. I alluded to him a minute ago, but Jermaine Burton over 35 and a half. I think that marries up nicely with, with his um, receiving uh, prop where I think he's sitting at like two and a half catches. Really, really like the idea of him going uh, over uh, that number as well. So if he get if he has four catches, he's definitely getting over 35 yards. Like there, there's no question about it. He's a, he plays um, you know the outside receiver position. He gets downfield. That's where he runs his routes. So Burton Burton over 35 and a half is is my other uh, strong lean as far as as uh, the Georgia offense is concerned in that. As much as I like George Pickens, I just don't feel like he's completely himself. So I, I'm staying away from, from that 30 and a half number, even though he, he did hit that number on one catch against mm-hmm. Alabama uh, back in December. All right. Any other either player props, team props, you know, game specials that you like here? Otherwise, we can move on to DFS. Um, those are those are the main ones that I wanted to hit. Just like I have a, a lot of faith in in the receive or the receptions. When it comes to Jamison Williams, I have a lot of faith in the uh, receiving yardage um, when it comes to James Cook. I, I think that, that that might be my favorite overall um, prop uh, here on, on the board entirely. Um, so that, that's those are my big, big leans as far as the individual um, player props are concerned. All right, DFS it is then. So we will do as we always do and start at the quarterback position. Um, I mean, I, I assume we're looking at showdown contests on yes. DraftKings for this game. Um, where I mean, you have to roster one of these quarterbacks. Where are you going? Right, exa- exactly. So uh, Showdown, full disclosure, is not my specialty. Um, but I, obviously, in, in this particular <laughs> instance, I'm looking more into into this that, than I normally would. I, I did enjoy playing the Showdown for Tuesday night's complete gong show between uh, LSU and Kansas State. That was, <laughs> I don't know if you caught any of that, but that was – that was special. Um, but I think this game, sure you can be a little bit more varied with, with who you're doing um, your captain spot with. Like it, uh, on DraftKings, your captain spot is someone that you pay up a little bit more, but you get one and a half points or one and a half times uh, their, their fantasy points as a result. Like if you didn't go Deuce Vaughn on, on Tuesday, you're probably sunk. This time around, I think there's a lot of different ways that you can approach it. I, I can see the justification for Jamison Williams at 15-3. Um, I could see it obviously for for Bryce Young at, at fifteen nine. Um, those are the two guys that I would mainly consider for captain. Um, but you could also, if you're feeling real froggy and want to get a little differential, um, I've been saying it. I, I think that James Cook has a, has a big game here, so so it wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world to me um, to to go with James Cook at captain because if it hits, it's going to smash. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, I mean, there. This is such a tough slate. Uh, to, to break down, um, you know, obviously with, with the captain spot and then the five utilities, I mean, you're, I, I, you, you feel okay about Brian Robinson, like we talked about just because he is, you know, such an obvious lead back for Alabama, but yeah, I mean, you have to choose between a couple backs for Georgia. Um, I, I mean, you, you could even double down at quarterback if you want. I mean, is that a viable strategy? Yeah. Yes. I, I think that it's important to do that really even. Um, so I would definitely go with both quarterbacks. I think where you can find the value um, is in the uh, the Georgia 
depth pass catchers. I think, again, Jermaine Burton is going to be a major factor in this one. Uh, he's 7K, so he's not exactly cheap necessarily. Um, but we've seen A.D. Mitchell. He caught the touchdown a week ago. He definitely um, has that ability uh, this time around. He, he gets himself on the field. Kyrus Jackson, this is, I believe, going to be his last game for Georgia. Um, they get him involved in, in the um, in the run game a little bit on, on some jet sweeps, and he's a reliable guy over the middle as well. So Kyrus Jackson at 1,600, a decent way uh, of saving up a little bit. I mean, on the other side too, Bama has these talented – it's not just a Corey Brooks – I, I assume that as long as JoJo Earl is available here or, or even A.G. Hall, um, I think those are two interesting, you know, really bottom or like bargain bin type of guys that, that you can consider. And then one other $1,000 play uh, would, would be Darnell Washington. He caught the touchdown against Alabama first time out. Georgia uses a lot of multiple tight end packages, probably, you know, almost as much as, as anyone else. Um, in all of college football, just because they, they've recruited the position well between uh, himself and Bowers, and they like to utilize it, especially when you know some of the receiver talent has been injured or, or at less than 100%. So I think Washington sees some snaps. Um, I could see them running a play very similar to what they did in Atlanta and, and just get, getting Washington the ball in the red area. And at $1,000, uh, that could really – that opens up a lot of flexibility for your lineup, and there's a lot of upside to go with it. I don't know if you remember, but – when Darnell Washington committed on one of those uh, college football or high school all-star games, uh, they, they compared his body to uh, LeBron James, actually bigger than LeBron James. I love the NBA crossover. Anytime we could work that in, uh, you're speaking my <laughs> You don't language. get to do it too often, but no. uh, <laughs> when you do, I guess it's, it's usually a tight end. Yes, exactly. Uh, people, people are always going to maintain that like LeBron could have been Antonio Gates if he wanted to. I, I'm not hundred percent sure about that. Um, all right. Anything else? Any other big picture takes? Um, if you if you just want to use this as kind of like a, a final counseling session to get anything off your chest about Georgia, uh, feel free to let it loose. Man, I mean, this is very excited. This has been uh, just such a fun season. It it does feel like it, it is a win or win the national championship or bust because you look at the at the broader landscape of college football and and uh, you know Bama. This is this isn't their best team. Uh, didn't even have to contend with Ohio State in the playoff this year. Clemson obviously had the down year. Like so many other things have broken right for Georgia that it does feel like they have to go ahead and, and finish the job um, on Monday. And what you know, what's tough about that is that there, there's so much history here between Kirby Smart and, and uh, Nick Saban. And Saban has had the upper hand every single time, even even in games where Georgia's been up. It, it you know it obviously fell apart and it, it went. Bama's way. So something's got to give eventually, at least you, you might think, or maybe we, we officially enter the, the mindset as a country where it's like, uh, yeah, Kirby will never beat Saban. And, uh, and I will probably believe that on Monday if Alabama wins. And I think this is his best chance to do it. He already kind of took his lumps and knows how to adjust from here. Mm -hmm. We'll, we'll see if they can execute. I think it's going to be a really close game. I think it's going to be extremely competitive. I know, I know that kind of flies in the face with how a lot of these national championship games have gone, where they a lot of the times they're not good games. I think the the best one uh, in recent memory was the the uh, the Georgia Bama one from a couple of years ago, and then of course the, the yeah. Hunter Renfro game the, the year right. before. But a lot of the times these games are pretty lopsided. But this year, I think it's going to be really really competitive on both sides. All four quarters, I'm going to be um, an emotional wreck 
uh, on Monday night, whether uh, Georgia wins or loses. So uh, keep an eye on my Twitter feed. I'm sure there will be some uh, just goofy <sighs> stuff going on. Yeah, it's, it's going to be wacky. There's no no doubt about that. Um, man, I, I'm I'm really happy that you're going to be in attendance, though. I mean, this really is a not not a once in a lifetime scenario. That's how it felt with, with Wisconsin. Like the whole way there, we're like we're never getting back here. Everybody knew it. Uh, the thing with Georgia is you could very well be back there this time next year. Uh, but I do agree. I think you're right that you know I, I think Georgia could maybe even have some better teams in the future. But I think the combination of Georgia making it all the way here. And then getting what we think is at least a diminished Alabama team relative to the other ridiculously high standards that that Alabama teams of the past have set. So I, I think you're right to say this might be their best opportunity. And it's not even about Georgia. It's more that this Alabama team seems, you know, even five or 10 percent more vulnerable than those impenetrable teams of the past. Yeah, I mean, that uh, if, if this was the team going up against the Mac Jones, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith team, I would not like their chances. But but this exactly. time around. Um, I do. And uh, I, I think that Georgia and there will be lots of hemming and hawing. There's always been a lot over the course of the season regarding uh, whether Stetson should be starting over JT Daniels. Is JT Daniels healthy enough to play all that? So I think Georgia can win it with Stetson Bennett. They make it a little bit harder on themselves but by using Bennett. But at this point, right. like you've got to ride the horse that got you there. I, I think um, it, it's just the way it goes. I, I don't think that Georgia... Uh, has any any tricks up their sleeves in terms of using JT Daniels? I think it's it's the Bennett show, for better or for worse. And you know, uh, as a Georgia fan, uh, I'm hoping for the better here. Well, that's actually an interesting point to bring up. Could you see a Hurts to a situation unfolding with Bennett Daniels? That would be. I mean, the the uh, the parallels there, and and you know, like all of the history that you could draw on for, from things going sideways for Georgia with backup quarterbacks from Alabama. Yeah. I mean, it, it would be an amazing story. It'd be, you know, kind of the, the Hollywood script. If Georgia somehow were, were to have to switch over to a backup quarterback and, and end up winning uh, that game somehow, I don't see it playing out that way. Um, but I mean, it, it sure would be something I do. I do actually still think that JT Daniels is extremely good, but I mean, he just hasn't faced live, action in so long that that just tossing him out there in the natty would be um that would be Georgia would have to be down by like three scores in the third quarter type of deal because the the thing about Tua is that Saban was comfortable going to him because the entire season Bama would get up by a million points and then just like let Tua run the offense in the second half for funsies and it made him ready Daniels doesn't have that right no, you said it. I mean, you don't want that scenario. Like if JT Daniels is coming into the game, that means that you're either down or Stetson Bennett is hurt, you know? So it, there's, there's probably not a scenario where things are going so well that JT Daniels is, is coming in to take over in the second half. Yeah. No, no, yeah. If, if he's on the field, yeah, something has, has likely um, yes. gone awry. And I, and I don't think that they would give him like the ceremonial kneel down. No. No, I, well, I mean, yeah, maybe the, the third scenario, I guess, is Georgia's up like 40 to nothing and he he just gets to play, you know, the fourth quarter. So, I mean, for your sake, I hope that's the case. But best of luck, man. It's going to be a super fun trip. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm super envious that you get to have that experience and, you know, send a bunch of Snapchats, post a bunch of Instagrams. We'll, we'll, we'll be following the Twitter feed as always and make the most of it. You know, man, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm just so looking forward to this. Appreciate it. I, I know that, again, like, like you said, as a, as a, as a man who appreciates a trip with the fellas, uh, yeah, th- this one should be uh, an all-timer. I'm, I'm very, very excited and very lucky to be able to, to go. And, and uh, yeah, 
definitely going to make the most of it, even if uh, Indianapolis is going to be like a, a frozen wasteland. But apparently, dogs are already out there. Uh, I think I oh, yeah. uh, liked uh, Barrett Salee's tweet earlier. Oh, yeah. At the baggage claim in Indy, grown men barking. There's going to be a lot of that. <laughs> 